1: Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called Life in the Light of Eternity, discussing how we should live in the light of the fact that Christ Jesus is coming back and how we follow the ways of our Savior as we do life in the light of His return. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Well, let's give our attention now to The first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 1, reading through verse 12. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and had been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you would become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers, For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We live in a time now where you have more access to Christian leaders than at any other point in history, any other point that I could conceive of. Just by hopping online in any number of different ways, you could have access to thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of different pastors or teachers or ministry leaders or Bible study instructors, and on and on and on and on and on. How do you tell which ones are worth listening to? How do you tell which are worth sitting under? How do you tell which messengers are the sorts of messengers that are approved by God? Because I want to tell you that it is way more dangerous for you to sit under the teaching of somebody that has not been approved by God, or who's teaching things opposed to the Word of God under the mantle of being a Bible teacher, than it is for you to engage in all sorts of secular—it's way, it's way worse to like sit under a Christian preacher that is not a workman approved by God than it is for you to listen to like a TED Talk or something like that, that may not have a Christian worldview or ideology. The reason is, it's way worse to listen to to Christian music or Christian media that is false or untrue than it is to listen to secular media. Because when you're listening to something secular, not Christian, you usually have your antenna up, right? You're you're like, all right, I've got to run this through my Christian worldview. I've got to see if this aligns with the Bible. But if you're submitting yourself to a, a Bible teacher and you don't have your antenna up about that, that is far more dangerous to your spiritual life. So how can you tell if a Christian preacher or teacher or Bible study instructor or any sort, of, any sort of Christian leader is a sort of messenger approved by God? How can you tell if my ministry as a pastor is God-glorifying? How can you tell if I am a minister who has been approved by God? And in the times where you are telling other people about Jesus, as you are taking the gospel to other people, how can you do it in the right way? Well, this passage tells us, it it, it illustrates and illuminates all of that for us. It shows that workers approved by God are bold in gospel proclamation because they seek to please God and they use God's means in communicating the message of salvation. And having a desire to please God and having a desire that others please God, it leads to a bold and an effective witness. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to take a look at the way that Paul describes his ministry to the Thessalonians, to see the way that he indicates that he is a faithful minister of the gospel, that he is the sort of worker that has been approved by God. And you can tell in the course of this passage that his ministry had three characteristics that showed that it was from God. It was bold, it was God-pleasing, and he was hard-working. His ministry was bold, God-pleasing, and hard-working. And these characteristics of his ministry show that the gospel that he was preaching was from God and not from human beings, not from man. So it's really instructive to us to see and to pay attention to these words of 1 Thessalonians. So let's take a look first at the boldness of Paul's ministry. And this is one of the things that comes to us in the first two verses of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He noted that despite the fact that he had suffered shamefully in Philippi before coming to the Thessalonian church, he had boldness along with his associates, along with Silas and Timothy, to declare the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Chapter 2 begins with the word for... For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not in vain, which indicates that it's connected to chapter 1. This is all still a part of Paul's introductory comments to this church that he knows and loves. We can see the connection. In chapter 1, he's given thanks for the Thessalonian church because the gospel that he came, came in word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Thessalonian church therefore became a church that imitated God, that turned from serving idols and turned to serving the living and the true God. And now we see why it was that the ministry of Paul and his associates was not in vain. And the first reason that his ministry was not in vain is that he didn't chicken out. He was bold. He actually spoke. He gave the gospel message and he gave it in the midst of a lot of persecution In Philippi, he had been thrown in prison. In in Thessalonica, he had a lot of people oppose him. They kicked him out of the city. They hated him so much that they went to the next town that he was preaching in, and they forced that town to kick Paul out and his associates. And in the midst of all of that, he still spoke. He was bold, despite the fact that people opposed him. He gave the gospel message to the church When people would dislike him for it, or mistreat him for it, or harm him for it, or damage his reputation for it, or drive him from the town in which he was preaching for it. What he's saying is that there was a lot of pressure for him not to speak. There was a lot of pressure for him not to speak the gospel. And despite the fact that that pressure was intense, Paul still spoke, he was still bold. And because he dared to tell the gospel to the Thessalonian people, he was not a failure in ministry. Boldness to tell the gospel of God was necessary for the Thessalonian Christians to be saved through the bold telling of God's salvation. Let's think a little bit about the type of boldness that is necessary, that we need. I remember listening to a sermon with rapt attention by a preacher in Atlanta named Creflo Dollar. He's a prosperity gospel preacher And he is a fantastically gifted communicator I was transfixed as I was watching the sermon I was absolutely captivated by his powers and his abilities in communication And he was speaking of Romans 1.16 And believe me when I tell you that this communication was transcendent that he was giving And he talked about how no matter what anyone said That he was not ashamed of the gospel And that he was bold to talk about it And he wouldn't shrink from it. And my heart soared listening to him. But then he said what he believed the gospel to be. He said that the gospel was that God would materially bless you. And, brothers and sisters, that's not the gospel. And I want to tell you this morning that it doesn't take much boldness to say something that everybody wants, it doesn't take very much boldness to tell people any type of prosperity gospel. It wouldn't take much boldness to tell people that God will materially bless you or that God will make everything go right for you or that God will never call you to change or that God doesn't so much mind sin or that the gospel is simply to be nice to people or that the gospel is for you to pursue your dreams. These are all false gospels that require no boldness whatsoever. But to tell the gospel message does take boldness. Repent of your sins. That's a bold message. That's a hard word. Stop trusting in yourself. Stop trusting that the good that you do is enough. Start trusting God. Make him your Lord and King. Follow and accept him and his ways and do them. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There's no other way to be welcome to eternal life than to trust in Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. That requires boldness. And I want to submit to you today that the church needs more boldness. The church needs a substantial amount of boldness. The desperate need for the church to be bold was, re- was revealed today by a survey that was announced by, uh, by Christianity Today. Let me read to you part of an article that I came across today. New research from Barna Group and the creators of the Alpha Course offers some disappointing news regarded, regarding the 20-somethings and 30-somethings now on deck to carry on the faith. Nearly half... of practicing Christian millennials, churchgoers who consider religion an important part of their lives, believe that evangelism is wrong. That's hard news right there. So what's behind their beliefs that evangelism is wrong? Barna President David Kinnaman points out uh, rising cultural expectations against judging and personal choices. Practicing Christian millennials were twice as likely as Generation X and four times as likely as boomers and elders to agree with the statement, if someone disagrees with you, it means they're judging you. And and here's the way that the, the article kind of brought things home. It said, cultivating deep, steady, resilient Christian conviction is difficult in a world of you do you and don't criticize anyone's life choices. It's difficult in a world of emotivisms and feelings first priority that our culture makes a way of life. As much as ever, evangelism isn't just about saving the unsaved, but reminding ourselves that this stuff matters, that the Bible is trustworthy, that Jesus changes everything. So I want to be bold today and tell you something. Evangelism is not wrong, and you must be bold enough to do it, to tell other people about Jesus tell them that they need to be saved. And I am thankful that I have seen it here. I'm thankful that here there are people who are bold enough to own the gospel.
0: You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 Hope For Your Life, Visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering 7 Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com.
1: And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Life in the Light of Eternity, discussing how we follow the ways of our Savior as we do life in the light of His return. It's important for us to ask, where did Paul get his boldness from? Where did his boldness to be able to preach the gospel message come from? Well, here's what he says in verse 2. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Do you see that phrase? We had boldness in our God. The boldness that Paul had to preach the gospel did not originate from any sort of human strength, but it had its origin in God himself. God made Paul bold by the Holy Spirit. You see, when Jesus saves you, he makes you clean. He gives you a new identity as one who is the child of God. It's for that reason that we're told in the book of Jude that Jesus is able to present us in the presence of the Father without fear and with great joy. Now, when you're able to stand in the presence of the Father without fear because of who you are in Christ Jesus... It means you can stand before anybody else without fear and, without, and with great boldness and tell them the truth. You know, it was said about the Puritans that the Puritans were those who would humble themselves to the dust in prayer and then stand up to put their foot on the neck of a king because they feared God and because they knew that they belonged to him. They didn't fear anyone else and they were powerfully bold. As we develop a more complete sense that God is the God of the universe and that we belong to him and are forgiven by him, it gives us the sort of eternal boldness and present boldness to tell about God to other people. As Greg Beale puts it, if we have boldness before God in what we do for him, it is a small thing to be brave towards mere humans in carrying out God's work. So the first faithful marker of Paul's witness was boldness. The same marker should be present in Christian pastors today, and the same marker, a spirit-wrought boldness, should characterize our own telling of the gospel to others. But not only was Paul's ministry bold, it was also God-pleasing. Paul's boldness came from being attached to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And because he was joined by faith to Jesus, this the means, the way that he shared the gospel, also flowed from his connection to the Lord. This was not a human, arrogant boldness that characterized Paul's witness. No, this was a humble, gentle boldness that, that bore witness to the fact that this was a man under the authority of the Lord. Notice how he mentions different ways that one might preach that would indicate that the preacher was preaching from impure motives. Pay attention here. Take a look at this list that he gives us in verse 3. He says, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. An appeal that would come from error, an appeal that would come from impurity, or an appeal that would come from any attempt to deceive would indicate that the origin of the message was a human origin. But Paul said, no, at no point, at no point did I preach anything that, had, that mixed itself with error. At no point did I advocate for any sort of impurity. At no point did I attempt to deceive you. And that indicates that the source of this message is God. He goes on, he goes on to to articulate even more. In verse five, he says, for we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or for others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. These would be other indicators that one that was coming with a message was coming with a message that is not from God. If someone comes with flattery, If someone comes with flattery, that likely indicates that they are bringing a message that does not come from God. This is so helpful because if a preacher only tells you nice things or never confronts you, then that preacher is flattering you. Now, it can be hard to distinguish between encouragement and flattery sometimes. I remember one time when I was a student in seminary, I was talking to an elderly Dutch man who was a member of the congregation where I was an intern. I told him, sir, you're a good man, and he looked at me and said, Don't say that to me. You're gonna make me proud. So I apologized. I said, I'm not trying to make you proud, sir. I'm just trying to encourage you. And then he softened and he said, Ah, well, we all need encouragement. Thank you very much for the encouragement. <laughs> encouragement is not flattery. But you can't but flattery can sound like encouragement, and you can tell the difference, right, if the preacher is never willing to confront or to say something that would, would cause some sort of conflict. If, if the preacher only ever talks about things that are nice. If the gospel starts sounding just very nice. More than good. More than kind. More than true. But Paul didn't come with words of flattery. He didn't come with a pretext for greed either. And, and preachers who seek to get rich through preaching. Beware of those preachers. When preachers fly private jets, when they lead an an extravagant lifestyle, they're preaching not to please God, but to please men. And Paul says, you know, my preaching never had with it a pretext for greed. I never tried to get rich on this message. And the last thing he says is, nor did we seek glory from people. When a preacher desires to build his own empire, advance his own name more than the name of Jesus, the message is not. God. But look conversely at the marks of faithful preaching that characterized Paul's life. He says in verse 4, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. And then he says in verse 7, but we were gentle among you Like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves. Because you had become so very dear to us. The central mark that Paul gives of a faithful ministry, of his faithful ministry, is that he and his associates Silas and Timothy, as they were ministering in the midst of the Thessalonians there... They desired to be God-pleasing rather than man-pleasing. This is a centrally defining characteristic of gospel proclamation that flows from pure motives. The faithful gospel proclaimer, whether it be a minister or a Bible teacher or somebody that's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with a friend or neighbor who needs to hear about it, the central feature is that it flows from pure motives a desire to please God more than a desire to please the world or any human being. The faithful gospel proclaimer like Paul has their heart tested and then preaches in a way to please God rather than men. And then he talks about this desire to please God means that his ministry among the Thessalonian church was a very gentle ministry. He said, I was like a, I was like a nursing mother with you. This is important. It strikes at the sort of biblical manhood that Paul operated with, a gentle, a gentle manhood. He was characterized by his gentleness. Boldness and gentleness are not opposed to each other. Boldness does not just mean loudness. Boldness does not mean arrogance. Boldness here, the type of boldness that was a gospel boldness was joined together with a God-pleasing gentleness. And so Paul talks about how he was tender with the Thessalonian church how he was caring, about how he was like a nursing mother. And then Paul concludes by talking about how his ministry was hardworking and about how this also indicates the faithfulness of his ministry. He proved that his proclamation of the gospel came from God and not from human beings by his hard work. And having described himself and his gentleness as if he were like a a nursing mother, he also likens himself to a father in the way that he ministers to the Thessalonian church. He talks about his labor and toil working day and night that he might not burden the Thessalonian church. He talked about how he was righteous and blameless in his conduct toward believers and how he exhorted them and encouraged them and charged them like a father does to his children to walk in a manner worthy of God, who has called the Thessalonian church, who calls all Christians into his kingdom and his glory. He was hardworking. He was faithfully instructing. And he exhorted and he encouraged and he charged the Thessalonians to walk in a manner worthy of God. And so let me strive to do the same thing to you, Orland Park CRC. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord God, brothers and sisters. Flee what is evil. Cling to what is good. Avoid the patterns of this world. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider the things today that are keeping you from faithful obedience and get rid of them. Be ruthless about eliminating any sin. I'm serious about this. Your desire to walk worthy should be a first consideration in your life understanding that there are constraints in your life that I might not know about, let me say these things. If your job is keeping you from faithfully walking, following after the Lord, find another job. If your house is keeping you from that, find another house. If your phone is keeping you from that, you need to get rid of your phone. Look, I even brought an illustration today into the pulpit. The first time I've brought a phone into the pulpit. If your phone is keeping you from serving or following the Lord, get rid of it. Or the same with your computer or your television or your internet. If being on Snapchat, Or Instagram or any other such thing Is keeping you You need to find a way to scale back your time Or you need to get away from it If a dating relationship is keeping you From following after the ways of the Lord God You need to end that dating relationship If your marriage is keeping you from it You must not end your marriage But you should take steps Both individually and with your spouse To restructure and reorient your life together To be God-pleasing and God-following To put it in other terms simple terms. You need to go Marie Kondo on anything that takes you away from walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Just eliminate it. And to everybody who's doing this, to everyone who's making every effort to follow the Lord God, to every person that is seeking to please God rather than human beings, to every person that is making your Christian identity central to who you are, to every person that desires to praise and worship and serve the Lord Jesus Christ in every part of your life, well done. Let me encourage you today. Just as Paul exhorted and charged and encouraged, let me encourage you in this. Well done. There's no wiser choice to make than to follow after the Lord with everything you've got. Keep it up. What you're doing is pleasing to God. And it is truly beautiful. It's the most important thing you can do. Keep up following the Lord. Keep walking in His ways. Keep it up.
0: You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering 7 Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema,
1: and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reform Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, may God bless you.